everyone. Welcome to The Full Cup. I am Libby Switzer here today with my sister, Rachel Waters, staring her in the eye. <laughs> Hi, Rach. Hi. How are you? I'm super happy to be here and I'm good. Good. I'm glad you're here. We're kind of on a roll trying to keep some recordings going because if we take a break, it'll be six months until you get another one. (laughs) Okay. So I've had a lot of um, critiques come in about the podcast, about things people don't like about it or things we've said or the way we've said them. And um, talking about that with Rachel, just now we were talking about just other people who have experiences where they're bothered by something someone does, whether it's in church, whether it's me on this podcast, whether it's a friend or a neighbor, or you're feeling jealous or irritated or something like that. And so in the conversation we had, we talked about how, well, the whole point of this podcast is to be emotionally independent to not let the stuff people do bother you. So I'm sorry if I'm bothering you on this podcast, but the whole point of that is we don't want to have to change other people necessarily. We want to look inside and see what we can do to make us better so we're not bothered by it. Because you can't always change other people. Well, you actually kind of never can change other people. No, you can make your environment conducive to change as you create change yourself, but the goal to change somebody else, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, Nor do we want that pressure and responsibility, which is what I have found is there's a lot of pressure attached to that, right? This, this pressure of um, when we're offended by someone else's success, because we feel pressure from their success to me is this giant neon flashing sign that's saying insecurity, insecurity. Okay. If Give other, me an example of like pe- someone's success that somebody would be. Okay. So of. something that I've heard a couple times in my office this past month are people that are in position to buy a new car that may need a new car that want a new car, but are afraid to buy a new car because they're afraid that it's going to look as though they're being extravagant or that they have more than someone else. This is kind of on the flip side, actually. In other words, trying to want to prevent other people from feeling pressure or disappointment from not being able to buy a new car either. Right. Okay. Yeah. That I, I have felt that before just in different, not necessarily with a car, but not wanting to come across as too flashy or too extravagant in even something minuscule, you know? So which it's your life, you got to live it. You can do whatever the heck you want to do. Right. Well, not only that, it's really underselling the people around you and yourself, that idea of emotional self-reliance. It's okay to get a new car if you need a new car. And even if even if you don't need a new car, if you want a new car and you financially can get a new car, get a new car. But if you're even saying, if you financially can't get a new car, <laughs> get a new car. It's what you want to do. But the idea that we have to placate to someone else is actually perpetuating this idea that we're, we're reliant on other people for else's, our happiness. Yes, happiness instead of saying, no, I, it's okay for me to get this car. And if people have trouble with that, I'm giving them permission to learn how to resolve it. Yeah. Well, and especially in the world we live in right now of like this cancel culture, where if you aren't thinking or doing something the way people expect you to, then 
you're dead. You know what I mean? And so we're teaching emotional independence, not relying on other people to do what we say or need for us to be happy. Yes. And that aligns also with a growth-based perspective instead of a performance-based perspective. Cancel culture is saying that you didn't, you weren't on point, you missed it, therefore you're irrelevant. Instead of recognizing how do we learn and grow from those missteps yeah. um, to become better, there's purpose in that. If we can use it, if we yes. give it meaning, it has purpose. And so instead of fearing it and making it all, that just perpetuates this idea of performance too, that I have to be on point all the time. It's very um, uncompassionate and ungraceful, Yeah, that whole idea. So going back to, the purpose of the podcast, well, I mean, you get to choose your purpose for your podcast, but in therapy, what we hope to teach people is emotional self-reliance, which is I choose what I think and what I feel. I do. You know, I just was reading, um, Travis Alexander posted on Facebook, a quote from his son who recently passed away. And, um, he, his grandpa told me that he used to listen to the podcast, which was very awesome. And it was a little quote. I'm going to pull it up for you because it was so powerful from the mouths of babes. He's not a babe, but he was a teenager. Okay. So he says, I believe joy is not obtained. Rather, it is something we choose. Jared Alexander. Aww, Isn't that so, so profound? profound. From a, really, amazing, darling. sweet boy. You do get to choose. Yes. And choose what you're going to do with it. And to me, if your inability to choose or or if you find the ability to choose is being diminished, that is the neon sign that there's insecurity in that area. The example that I use for myself is as a young mother, I was not very secure in my role as what I was in what I was doing to raise my children. I was very influenced. I was reading tell me I was learning, I was trying to grow. But because I was a perfectionist-based person, I could just take someone's experience and say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what we do. This is what we do. I've been told this is what we do. I can do that. I can measure up. I can perform, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if the book's called Baby Wise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do like just that book. But, but no, <laughs> in reality, very helpful. not just Baby Wise, any kind of don't your kids don't eat sugar. Okay. My kids aren't going to eat sugar. Um, whatever in, not just in parenting, but in my life was highly influenced by the opinions and successes of others. If someone else is having a success, that means I must also be doing Mm -hmm. the same thing in order to be successful instead of recognizing that that gets to be about that person's journey. I can borrow it and try it on. And if it fits good for me in my life, great. Then that might motivate me to keep that and understand it more and how it fits for me. But, um, the example that I like to give is I've talked before how I have a daughter that has struggled with an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. correct? Well, because of our journey through that experience, the hellish journey that it was, Um, to me, we found our truth of what works for us in our family, in our focus on health and things of that nature. So when I see someone else right now, tell me, you got to try this. This is the greatest weight loss program. Instead of going, oh no, they're having success and I'm not, I better do it. I can say, congratulations. Good on you. Yeah. Way to go. And we still get to be solid where we are. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I think that is the, that is what happens with insecurity. <laughs> yes. Is you see someone who has something who 
loses the weight or buys the car and you think, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do that? And that can be hard to reconcile. Yes. And it leads into, I think, a good point in the things that we talk about in in your podcast, because we're like, when I talk about perfectionism, when I talk about anxiety, when I talk about alternative truths, those are all, uh, those words are beneficial, but they are tuned to those people that are having a struggle that I'm familiar with and that share symptoms familiar with each other. Honor your journey. You're hoping to master your journey and your journey is not the same for every person. And there's, but you might want your journey to be that you're really skinny and you're watching all these other people do it. But so maybe then you feel like crap. Yeah. Why do you want that to be your journey if it's not part of your journey or if it doesn't fit into your journey? Well, it does fit it because I just want it to fit in. It's <laughs> not fitting in because I don't have the self-discipline or I'm this or I'm that. Or I'm not strong enough or whatever. Well, but that's another thing. That is not helpful dialogue. It could just be, I. there are other things more important to me than, for example... I know, I know of a couple people that spend a lot of time at the gym that are very, very fit and they have hours a day to do that. And a lot of people are very impressed and desire to do that. Do they really desire to be at the gym four hours a day to pull that off? No. No. So why are they beating themselves up? Or they aren't at the gym. They just have self-control to eat healthy. Right. But do you really want to live without chocolate chip cookies? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. No, I don't. And you discover that as you honor and respect your journey. This idea of pressure, right? I, I'm. It's there's this underlying consuming feeling that so many people are having a pressure of what, how things should, have to, need, must. These are things that we talked about with anxiety. So how do you not let yourself feel that pressure, or how do you shift that mindset? So to me, if you're feeling the pressure, that is the neon sign that there's insecurity happening. So it's to get your legs under you. Going back to the basic things that we've talked about, dialogue, the way you talk to yourself. Are you kind? Are you loving? Are you helpful? Are you supportive or are you hurtful internally, but also externally? The more intentional you are with your words, we can get really sloppy in the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we talk to others. The more intentional we are, I think the more intentional we we assign words that have greater meaning, the more intentional we start to become in our life. I was just talking to uh, my friend, Megan Jorge, not Martin. I have two Megan friends. Megan and I were talking about a podcast she was listening to by John, by the way, and he was talking about from a person, this is like playing telephone. So I'm butchering it because I've never heard the podcast, but she was explaining how we put things in our backpack by the way we talk. So if you're saying I'm fat, rock in your backpack, I'm ugly, rock in your backpack. I'm, I need to do this, rock in your backpack. I can't keep up. Like that's a lot of weight that you are carrying. And it does kind of become a part of you when you talk that way. And so if you change that language and fill your backpack, you know, I think I like just having that little visual perspective of it, of like actual backpack and talking about what are the things we're going to put in it. I'm kind, I'm hardworking, whatever it is that you are, that you value, that is important to you. Like just her saying that I was feeling like, oh my gosh, that's such a good perspective and so helpful to just, I mean, that's like a simple tool 
I mean, it's hard to undo years of damage of negative talk, but it but was essential, a great way. Essential, really, we've talked about before, our words train our brain to seek evidence to prove our thoughts to be true. Yeah. So if you're saying unhelpful things, you're going to miss all the good stuff and you're training your brain to miss it. Yeah. So just by the words that you use, you're training your brain to seek evidence to prove those thoughts true. So choose helpful words internally and externally. Yeah. With your conversations with yourself and with other people. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And with other people and just the things that we notice, do we notice things that are helpful or do we notice things that are hurtful? Um, interestingly enough, talking, going back to that emotional self-reliance, I was talking with a friend this week while we're out on a walk and she had listened to a podcast, I think where a guy was, was relating humankind, um, like quakey aspens, quaking at quaking, Mm -hmm. right? It's what they're called. Have you ever planted one? No, I don't want 10,000 of them. (laughs) Exactly. So the point being that humankind is like that. We are all have these roots that connect us to one another Mm -hmm. mirror and matching, right? That emotional self-reliance, when we know we're valuable, that puts out in our roots that we are then feeding others off of as well as we are connected to say, you have value too. If we all could connect in that. And and the point in that was, is we can either all live together or we can all sink together. Yeah. Right. What are we choosing what are we choosing to do with our space, with our emotions, with ourself, with our words, with our value? Right. And when you, when you choose to be okay, that you are going to buy that car, you're giving permission to other people to be okay with whatever it is that they're shy or insecure or nervous about that could be a great thing or something that's not even important that nobody even notices or cares about. But if you give it a negative value, then you're spreading that. Yeah. You're perpetuating other people that it's a negative. Yeah. And so what's interesting is typically we address those people that are jealous. What I'm hoping to address today are those people that are hoping to deflate, Mm -hmm. to keep everyone else comfort, discomfort, is often the catalyst for change. I'm a total deflator. I just want everyone to feel good and not rock the boat. Yeah, but (laughs) but what to me that's undercutting their strengths. Yeah, they're not they're they're not strong enough. No, I'm just (laughs) and you know what? Some may not be, but sometimes how we find that is through levels of discomfort. It doesn't mean we go around being a jerk to everyone hoping, well, we're just giving you the opportunity to learn and grow. But selling ourselves short in the benefit of someone else, to me, is undercutting who they are and undercutting undercutting who you are. Yeah. Well, no, it's true. I have a friend who already said her name once, might as well say it again, Megan, um, (laughs) who has told me um, in the past how she was, she had asked me to watch her kids and I said no. And she like later commented on how I have good boundaries. And I was like, oh, well, thanks. That's a great compliment. And it's something I've struggled with, but I like literally have to practice saying no, even if I don't have an absolute reason of why I say no to people about things. Sometimes it's just for the practice of being able to remind, remember that I need to have boundaries. And anyway, and then she had talked to me later. I mean, this, we have a, relationship that goes on for years. So I don't know when this was, but she was just talking about how it was helpful to her 
with setting boundaries with other people to see how it felt to have someone tell her no and have those boundaries with her. And which is a great thing you want to perpetuate a and great teach people. Thing. So, and not only not that, that I like taught her that, but it just coincidentally happened. But setting that way. boundaries aren't always necessarily easy. So, there's a level of vulnerability that comes with doing that. But when you set effective boundaries, to me, I feel safer being open and honest with people that I know are going to set boundaries because I feel like they're open and honest with me, which means if I ask a friend to watch my kids and they don't really want to, but they do, and I can sense that there's this, I'm not going to feel safe asking them, but someone that can say no when it doesn't work means I don't have to fear that I'm impeding or imposing on them because they're going to be able to say, no, that doesn't work for me. Or yes, that's great. So it actually draws you closer together through that level of vulnerability and setting a boundary. And we have a good relationship of trust where I feel like if I want to know the truth, like I can ask her because she will tell it to me. Yes. Where a lot of people might not because they don't want to seem unkind. Yeah. Right? They're they're letting other people's value be more important than their own instead of recognizing we all have that same value, right? Which is mm-hmm. I'm going to deflate myself in order to make them feel good about who they are. And in the, the end, what I'm doing is just training myself that I'm less than everybody else. Oh, this is so hard for me to have my <laughs> I mean, I understand it. I understand the concept. I just I just and a deflator. Like every time you say that, I'm like, yeah, I do do that. But I, I guess I don't realize the repercussions it can have on. Sorry, everyone. You just listened to Libby's therapy hour. That's what this really <laughs> is. We do it for me. And then some people occasionally benefit from it. Yeah. I just, that's hard for me to swallow. Well, it's hard. Not it that hard. I want to be f- like out there and flashy and boisterous and look at me. But, you know, it's it's like if you're going on a trip, on a vacation somewhere extravagant, I don't want to talk about that to people because I, not that I've like left the country in 20 years, but if I were to, and you know what it is? It's probably because when I have friends who are leaving the country and are in your face about it, I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel good. I'm just watching you go travel and live it up. And I'm home being depressed in my basement. Not really. But so that's my problem. That's what you're saying. That's why I'm being insecure. So it, that's just it. When someone else's experience is scratching at you, instead of hoping that they change, create that change in yourself. So if you recognize I'm envious at their ability to go, then create a space with, that allows you freedom that you're seeking, not hoping do that mean, they don't go. Freedom that I'm seeking. Well, I said freedom because you're saying I hear you saying I would like to go. Yeah. On on, on an, a big trip out of the country, or maybe it just means I'd like to get out of the house, and okay. it's represented by them going on the big trip. Does that make sense? In, well, yeah. How do I fix that in myself? Is what I'm saying. So what if I don't motive- have money to go anywhere? So that's or- why I said freedom instead of a trip. Okay. Because what I hear you saying is she gets to go, so go in, in how that works in your life. If that means I'm going to go on a walk around the block while my kids are sleeping. Oh, but that is not going. That is a really lame But that comparison. may be someone's only ability to go. Okay. It doesn't mean that we have to have. I, I agree. It doesn't mean it has to be the same, but I need more help. <laughs> like I need more help reconciling this because... 
yeah, I want to be able to be happy for this friend and be like, I'm so excited for you. So how do I get to that level? Okay. Well, first of all, owning your truth is a great place to start. Validate the way you're feeling. If you are angry, if you are frustrated, instead of quickly moving on to the, it's fine. Just let it be heard. Whether it's just talking to yourself in the car, I'm really upset. Assigning words to your emotions really helps you refine what it is that you're feeling and get down deep into what's going on. Maybe it's because they're financially more stable. Maybe it's because they have access to um, greater things because of the ages of their children, whatever, as you assign words and getting it out, which can be, I'm so mad. This feels really unfair, really giving yourself permission to own your pain. So you can move into the now what of it. I think it really helps you decide and refine what it is you're feeling. And then you move into the now what the now what going back to alternative truths. Yeah. Right. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm always, yeah, I don't know. Give me an example of what your now what would be. My now what might be. So once I get it out on your example of a friend that's going somewhere and I'm really jealous and I want to be happy for them, but I'm not, maybe the alternative truth is, well, you tell me. Well, first of all, getting it out, your frustration, right? Yeah. And now what? Coming up with some alternative truths. What's alternative um, truths around that? Well, I don't know if I am understanding exactly what you mean by alternative truths. That's why okay. I was asking for an example. But I'll tell you what What my brain does is it thinks, I have so many blessings in so many different areas. And I'm blessed with this and I'm blessed with this. And this friend has different struggles that I don't have. And so I can't compare, like, I, I'll just think about it logically like that for a while until I can be okay with it. Yes. Is that alternative truth? Yes. Okay. So alternative truths we've talked about in a previous podcast, which are just different perspectives based on what we're experiencing okay. and what we have experienced, right? So um, an alternative truth may be, well, whatever you're telling about that, they get to go again, or I never get to go, or um, we're not ever going to be able to do that. It's okay. That's part of the human experience. But once you get it out, then move into what is a truth that is helpful? What's a perspective that you can see this that helps you where you're at in your life instead of hurts you? Yeah. So, so if that is, um, I can't go on a trip, but I can create a memorable night with my family. Yeah. Right. It's using it as motivation to go get the life that you want instead of sitting around feeling bad for the life you don't have. Which is the plague of Instagram society and so many people's lives right now. So yeah, I like that. I, I, yeah, I pictured myself making some egg yolk raviolis and having a great dinner and spending time with my family. Um, and the funny thing is, is that I remember feeling this way years ago. So I don't need to go into all the details, but we were like homeless and broke and unemployed for a long time blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) Just move right past that. And this was a legit problem. I would see people doing things and just feel like that will never be me. And that is so hard and so hard to watch. And then I ended up getting a job and it was a pretty good job. My husband got a job. We were able to get into a house. Like this is years going by. I have a Well, I don't have it anymore, so don't break into my house. But I had a box under my bed that I would put cash in every night. I was a server. I'd just save this money that was our vacation fund. And then finally, we took a trip to Hawaii. This was a few years ago. This was just me and Danny. And it was like 
our 15 year maybe wedding anniversary and it was a big deal and we saved and saved and saved and we got there and I literally was like what's the hype sure it was cool it was fine but like being home with my kids and I mean of course I want to break from my kids but it just gave me this perspective of I am seeking for this thing that I can just have if I just decide I'm going to be really happy and excited today and we're going to have a lot of fun and we're going to blast the music and have a party and it's going to be fun because going to Hawaii, oh, P.S., it rained the entire time. We're stuck in our hotel. We rented a convertible. We could never take the top down. Like, I'm I'm not trying to be complaining. I'm just giving you the reality of it. It was like, huh, wow. I spent a lot of time wasted wishing for this time. And it was a good time. We got away from the kids, but it was not... What you had what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. So what I love about that is you're describing what I talked about, how your journey hands you your truth. That's why we don't fear. That's why we're looking for growth instead of performance, right? Because you're saying, I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to perform to that level and I did it. And my journey now taught me that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So there was purpose in that. Right. And that's how you come up with your truths the truths that you hang on to so that when you see something again, that makes you go, oh, I need that. I, I have to have that. I should be doing that or whatever. I have evidence to go back and say, well, hold on. I thought this once before, remember? Yeah. And then what did I find out through that experience? Maybe it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Totally. So true. Does that make sense? Yes. It and it, so I was thinking of this quote that used to hang in dad's office. Um, and it's funny because it's from Marianne Williamson, but a lot of people attribute it to Galileo no no Ralph Waldo Emerson no I think South Africa oh yeah Nelson Mandela, Mandela. yes <laughs> our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure it is our light not our darkness that most frightens us we ask ourselves who am I to be brilliant gorgeous talented fabulous who are you not to be actually who are you not to be you are chi- a child of God you're playing small doesn't serve the world. Yes, it doesn't. I lo- I love I we've talked about that quote before. I love that quote. Right. So, going back to this idea that, that by deflating myself keeps everyone else comfortable, what you're subconsciously doing is just training yourself to believe that you are less than. Yeah. In my uh, opinion, okay, which fine. doesn't serve everyone else. Fine, I get it. Message <laughs> received. <laughs> If you want to bless the world, know you're special and let other people see that so it gives them permission to go out and find their special. Yes. And in doing so, that connects us all in a way. Can you imagine how different the world would be? Yes, all those quakies uplifting each other. I know. That is cool. Which, to be honest, is kind of a funny example because Quakies are kind of a pain in the butt, but it is true. But they are beautiful. They are beautiful. And they wrestle in the wind and make a sound that oh my phone died okay so are we ready to move on do you have more to say nope that's good okay so we did have just a question from a person that I can't read specifically but she was wanting to have maybe we already just talked about it we talked about it what was it she wanted steps on how to work on 
Oh, performance, moving away from performance-based into more growth-based perspective. Yes. Do you have more you want to say on like actual steps for this person? Steps in moving from growth, from performance-based to growth-based. I think we talked about in a podcast, but hanging on to the words like yet. When you said, I will never have this. Yeah. I don't have it yet. And you may discover I don't want it along the journey, but giving yourself compassion and grace on your journey. (laughs) Yeah. You can't play it with me today. Also moving back to a growth-based perspective is going to that idea of emotional self-reliance in that who is holding my box? Am I or someone else? Is someone else's things, performance, their life, dictating my absolutely or am I choosing for me I've said before I think it's okay to borrow from people's experiences but never to compare and borrow to see if they're a good fit in our life sometimes we may think like you borrowed from this friend's experience of going somewhere saved your money and went and realized this isn't what I thought it was so for me and my truth from this is I get to choose how this fits into my story that may be different than other people's totally yeah, that makes sense. So. And and it's a great time to think about that as we're moving into the holidays. Emotional self-reliance is what helps us connect with people and not feel the pressure of what that's going to look like, right? Because it's saying that they're not going to dictate who I am or who I choose to be. Mm-hmm. Good luck, everyone, with the holidays. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. And we will see you next time. Bye.